Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys within wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s. And Erica went through a sustained 50-pound weight loss and self-love journey. We created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are both certified integrative nutrition health coaches and together with our community are learning to live our most purposeful lives by sharing one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys and by talking about them, we aim to destigmatize the process. We want you to be your own health advocate, feel educated and informed on the latest in health and wellness and empower you to feel your absolute best. And because we want to bring forth a wide variety of stories, the opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect our own, but we hope the diverse and varied stories will empower you to make the best choices for your own life. So join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness. Hi guys, before we get to today's episode, we want to share how excited we are to offer our community 20% off their first order at Sakara with code XO courageous. We have been big fans of the company for years and the Sakara life organic meal delivery program is based on a whole food plant rich diet that includes fresh nutrient dense and delicious ingredients. It's perfect for those weeks you need a refresh or don't have time to meal prep. They also have a clean boutique, which offers delicious food forward bars, snacks, beauty water drops, and my personal favorite metabolism super powder, which works to fire up your metabolism, stabilize blood sugar, eliminate bloat and decrease puffiness. The naturally rich low sugar, dark chocolate flavor is perfect for smoothies or simply mixed with coffee and nut milk. I also regularly use the Sakar cookbook full of plant-rich recipes, which you can purchase on their website. Click the link in our show notes to visit sakara.com and use code XOCourageous for 20% off your first order. We know you will love it as much as we do. Now on to the episode. Welcome back everyone to this week's episode of Courageous Wellness. We have a very fun deep episode for you today with Allie, one of your really dear friends, um, mm. who you have performed with many times in your other life, right? In my other lifetime. Yes. So obviously a lot of our listeners know we're both integrative nutrition health coaches. We've had courageous wellness for a couple of years now. Um, and, but for some of you who might not know the majority of my life and career has been in the performing arts and, um, yeah. And I have a musical theater background and as a, am a singer and actor and pre COVID was doing quite a bit of that in addition to building our courageous wellness business. And, um, so yeah, that's another part of what I do and, and something that I love, um, and, and the work that I've done for, especially the last like 10 plus years. So, uh, how many, how many shows have you and Shelly been in together? Cause that's how you guys met, right. Is doing shows. Yes. Together. Um, I think there was a period of time where it felt like we were doing shows back to back together, which was wonderful. Um, and we used to joke that it was like, 
something we, we required to write into our contracts that we'd only work together, but no, that was all sort of serendipitous. Um, I would say one, I have to count. We did, we met on doing a production of Steven Sondheim's company. If any, if there are any musical theater nerds like me out there, um, Sondheim's probably my favorite composer and one of the most prolific composers of the 20th century and 21st. Um, still writing, still around in his nineties now, um, in, in musical theater. Uh, so we, we met on company. Then I wound up joining cast of cruel intentions, which she had done the workshop of. So we worked together on that. We did a musical called I love you because together, which was such a blast. We, um, we got to work kind of closely on that show. And then, um, we did a musical workshop, for another thing. So at least four, I'm going to wow. say at least four. I think I saw you both then. And I love you because, cause that you was did. right before you went to Japan. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. And then I did see Allie in the cruel intentions, which was so much fun. Um, and I wonder fun. if Shelly was there that night too. I'm not sure. So probably she, I think probably she was in the show at the time. So yeah. So that's that was, so that's cool. how our friendship began. And she's such a doll and, um, but, you know, she's pretty outspoken on her with her sort of social media following and everything that um, on some subjects that I think are really important. And I think she does a beautiful job at handling it. And so I thought it would be really fun and also um, just like a, a really great episode. She's she's such um so energetic and has so much, you know, life and um, such a wonderful personality that I thought it would be really fun to have her on the show. So. Um, we'll get into her formal intro in just a little bit, but and before we do that, do you have any updates, Erica, any fun wellness things in your life that you want to share? Yes. Yes. I have a couple of things right now. As, as you guys know, I'm like, where to begin? The first is I really am again, working on my gut health as always, <laughs> you know, um, I'm obsessed with the gut. I could nerd out about our gut health for so long. But um, I've just been feeling a little like from enjoying summer a lot and um, a lot of overindulging. I've just not been feeling good, like a little bit of gut dysbiosis. So I'm back to really prioritizing caring for myself in ways that I know um, heal my gut in, you know, non-restrictive ways. Mm -hmm. But um, for me, a lot of that has to do with like my anxiety is back. So I'm off of coffee again. <laughs> it's like tail as old as time. The anxiety comes <laughs> back and the coffee goes out. Um, but yeah, so I'm back on like my superfood matchas. If you follow us on Instagram, I post a lot of like my superfood matchas. And um, I also really like clever blends, um, chai tea, which is a really good blend. Um, yeah. And and I have, I'm not like fully off of coffee because this is the long game. So, um, like I'll put like a little splash of like decaf coffee in that chai latte, but, um, I'm trying to reduce caffeine, reduce caffeine and heal my gut because I know gut brain connection is so connected. So that's something I'm doing in wellness right now. I'm also starting my day outside, even when it's foggy, which is helping my mental health so much, just like Mm -hmm. breathing in the fresh air with my matcha or my 
you know, pretend dirty chai <laughs> walking outside. Um, yeah. And then other than that, just um, if you listen to last week's episode with Dr. Gluzman on gut health hacks for kids and adults, um, I talked about how I've like landed in historical fiction <laughs> and I've been reading <laughs> yes. a lot of historical fiction. And so I did, I, I've like, I'm now two more books in one it's called, what is it called? It's called Social Graces. And it's more of a fictional account of the Vanderbilt's rise into society. So it is historical fiction. I did go one more historical fiction instead of going to like biographies, which I feel like I'm going to get into. But um, it's really interesting, again, like reading about even fictional accounts of what society was like and these women in the late 1800s. I don't know. It's fascinating to me. If you're a fan of Downton Abbey, you'd love it. The first book I read was American Heiress and it was okay. I like this one a lot more. And then Sharp Left, I'm also reading a thriller that I highly recommend called The Wives. And if you like a thriller, I highly recommend it. Um, it's much better than another thriller I read a couple months ago. But yeah, I'm on a reading kick. I think I'm just on, it's fall. I want to self-care. I want to take care of myself and I like to read. So what yeah. about you? Is there anything wellnessy you are enjoying at the moment or watching, reading, anything well, you've added to your routine? Our, you know, um, we're still in our 10,000 steps a day challenge, um, which we've been doing. We started kind of like randomly mid August. And then we formally started it after Erica and I had been doing it. We formally started it for the community or anyone who wanted to join, which you're still welcome to. There's still time left. We're not, you know, sticklers about it. Um, and yeah, please always feel free to join, tag us, that kind of stuff. But, um, and, and striving to get 10,000 steps a day. And the, I feel like the mind body connection through mm -hmm. walking, I actually just, um, got sent an article into my inbox this morning. I, I think I can't remember where it's from. It might be from the New York times, but about the mind body connection through walking, um, is really wonderful. And I've felt that by just like doing these 10,000 steps a day, just for that reason. I just, I really enjoy that. So we're still doing that. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm also, I've actually stopped drinking for a while mm -hmm. and um, alcohol and it's, I mean, a while it's been like two and a half weeks or something since I've had a glass of wine and I'm not a huge drinker anyway, but, but it felt kind of habitual for a while. And, and again, like, as you were saying, I was feeling a little bit of, um, gut stuff. And I, I thought maybe I should try to cut that and see how I felt. And they did. And of course I really felt a response in my digestion. Um, and I felt my energy shift a little bit, uh, just like I felt less lethargic, um, you know, not having any wine at night or anything like that. So I've done that for almost three weeks and I feel great. And I don't know, I, I might I have a concert that I'm going to go to an outdoor one that I might have a glass of wine and enjoy that, but it just felt really nice to kind of do that for myself. It felt mm -hmm. like, um, just again, like you said, we never, we're not like into restricting at all, but that actually didn't feel that way. It felt like something kind I was doing for myself. So, um, I've enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I'd probably say just, just sort of that, that's something I've been, um, well, I, I love that because it's like anything. It's like with the caffeine, 
with the alcohol, whatever it may be, what I love not to nerd out about the gut again, but you can heal your gut in just a matter of days, right? Just making like small, manageable, kind changes for yourself. Um, we've worked with so many people where it doesn't have to be like this lengthy process. You know, of course, certain things can be the long game, but you can start feeling better. Like you said, in just a couple of weeks, or I've only been off coffee now for or not even a hundred percent, but I've been reducing my caffeine intake and it's just been a few days and I feel so much better. And, um, I've, I've noticed that when I struggle with anxiety, just small changes, you know, within five days, I can feel like a different person. So exactly. And I think you said, like you said it, well, it's not, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. It's just something that like, if you know, makes you feel better to try to like in small ways, incorporate that it's, it's a wonderful gift, you know? And, um, yeah. So yeah. I think we should get into this episode. Speaking of that, all that stuff. Um, it's, it's so lengthy and in a good way and like not even lengthy. It's so, um, juicy, just like juicy. That's the word <laughs> you can't, you guys can't see me while we're recording, but it's a juicy episode. Um, so yeah, let's intro Shelly. So today on the show, we have my longtime friend, Shelly Regner. Shelly is a born and bred Southern belle, originally from Louisiana, a talented actress, performer, and all around wonderful entertainer who you may recognize from the Pitch Perfect film franchise in which she plays Ashley, the Bella that has literally been there the whole time. In addition to her film work, she's an award nominated member in the LA theater community, having appeared in shows, including I love you because cruel intentions, the musical, um, American idiot, LA almost famous in concert bronies and company. And lucky for me, I got to join her in a handful of those. She has also appeared as a guest artist at Carnegie hall and toured nationally and recorded the original album with Disney music group, D Capella. Shelly is outspoken on her social media platforms about the importance of destigmatizing mental health and also creating body positivity. Today, she shares her vivacious personality with us and also opens up and vulnerably shares her own journey with mental health and eating disorders and how she has learned to truly care for herself. We do get into some very specific discussions about disordered eating. So if that is difficult or triggering for you to listen to, please tune back next week. We thoroughly enjoyed having Shelly on the show. She shines her bright light wherever she goes, and we hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we did. This episode is sponsored by Milk and Honey. Guys, I am so excited to share our new sponsor, Milk and Honey, with you because I have been using their baking soda-free deodorant exclusively for over two years. This gentle aluminum-free baking soda-free deodorant was designed to nourish sensitive skin while keeping you feeling and smelling fresh all day long. When I decided that I wanted to make the switch to a clean aluminum-free deodorant, I tried so many different brands and each and every time I was plagued with those red itchy bumps under my arm on top of not feeling confident whatsoever that I did not smell. Milk and Honey not only never once gave me those pesky little red bumps, but also passed the smell test, even after some of LA's toughest workout classes. This is my ride or die deodorant, and we are so excited to partner with them. 
Milk and Honey is a line of non-toxic, effective, and safe bath, body, and skincare products made in small batches in Austin, Texas. They source ingredients as hyper clean as possible, which means both choosing organic and making thoughtful, informed choices on safe ingredients. Milk and Honey is a female-founded and funded brand, and in addition to clean deodorant, they also carry non-toxic bath, body, and skincare products like hydration creams, cleansers, soaps, body polish, and lots more that will make you feel nourished inside and out. If you want to try Milk and Honey, you can receive 15% off your order by visiting milkandhoney.com and using the code CWPODCAST, one word, at checkout. You can also find the direct link in our show notes. This episode is brought to you by our health coaching subscription service on Patreon. The Courageous Wellness Collective has expanded on Patreon to bring our listeners and clients an all-access accessible platform to educate, inform, and create nutrition and lifestyle habits to meet your personal goals. For $8.99 a month, patrons will receive weekly video content on topics ranging from blood sugar stabilization, gut health, hormone balance, energy, sleep, skin health, how to shop the grocery store, pantry staples, and much more. Included, you'll also receive access to monthly virtual webinars, recipes, and special guest content too. With this subscription, you are guaranteed at least four pieces of fresh health coaching content each month. To learn more and become a patron, visit www.patreon.com slash courageous wellness or check out our show notes. We look forward to welcoming you to our coaching community. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Courageous Wellness. Today, we have a very special guest who's also happens to be a good friend of mine, Miss Shelly Regner. Shelly, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're really excited to have you on and to chat with you. And so just to get our listeners um, a little bit more acquainted with you, can you share a little bit about your personal background and journey and then how um, it's led you to the work that you currently do and um, maybe even a little bit about your own you know, relationship with your wellness practices. Of course, of course. Well, um, I'm a Sagittarius Capricorn. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) We were just talking about that (laughs) off air. Um, No, my, my background, I am a Southerner. Let's take that back. I am a Southerner born and raised in Louisiana. Um, That's where my entire family grew up, Baton Rouge to be exact. And so I, I'm the kind of person, like I went to the same school from kindergarten through 12th grade. Um, And then I hopped over, I didn't stray too far for college. I went to LSU, I got a theater degree. Um, You know, I'm the youngest of two. And uh, so I was always following kind of my sister's footsteps. She was a very loud, boisterous personality. I was a very shy, more reserved child. And so she kind of helped bring me out of my shell. And um, she was always into the spotlight and the musicals and, you know, summer camps and everything. So I would just kind of follow in her footsteps, which uh, just kind of led me to the love of musical theater and performing and creating those different families that you get with each production 
that you're a part of, you know, I grew up dancing as well. So all the teams, right, the dance team or the theater nerds, if you will, the thespians and um, all that just kind of led me through college. I, I went in undeclared because I was like, well, how am I going to make money? I can't, you know, you, you have the, the warning signs of like, what's your plan B? And uh, I just didn't want to go that route. I, I had decided my sophomore year, I'm going to go with theater. I'm going to go big or go home. I'm already home. So, I, you know, that's like only up from here. Um, and through that journey, um, the film industry started booming in New Orleans. And so a lot of Hollywood productions were coming into film locally. And there was an open call audition for the movie Pitch Perfect um, at LSU, actually. And I had just graduated. There was like 70 people signed up. We all knew each other because we all were in the same department. Um, you know, it was literally, we auditioned in the rehearsal room that like I had been at my entire, you know, college career. Um, so it, it was just, I wasn't nervous. There was nothing new about this for me. I was just going in thinking I would gain some experience and be an extra on set um, of this production that was filming. And I thought it was, you know, I was trying to save up money to go to New York and try to go the Broadway route and just beat the pavement. And I ended up getting a role as one of the Bellas in the first Pitch Perfect movie. And it just changed absolutely everything. Um, and so, you know, I was working three months on this production and got the best of all my worlds where I was meeting all these Hollywood elite, you know, veterans and actors that I had been watching my entire life becoming good friends of mine. I was also still living at home with my mother. So like I would go to work, go back, get like a home cooked meal with mom and then do it all over again. But um, that ultimately led me out here to Los Angeles. And, um, you know, since then, obviously, you know, if you know the Pitch Perfect franchise, we, we did two more movies um, and being out in Los Angeles, I kind of, you know, how I met Allie, uh, built a, a rapport and a community in the Los Angeles theater community. And um, so I've just, you know, that's my entertainment life experience. I do consider, you know, I am uh, an actor, singer, performer um, by day and night, I guess, mostly by night, because that's when we're mostly performing. Um, but through all that, um, I also had, you know, my other journey, especially with wellness and, um, and body image of, you know, like I said, I was raised in the South and there's not a lot of nutritional, or at least, you know, during the time in the nineties, especially in the early two thousands, when I was growing up, there was no nutritional knowledge whatsoever. I mean, it was very, very common, like my morning routine, because I wasn't, I'm still not a morning person at all. So getting me up for school at 7am was a nightmare let alone having any time to eat breakfast. So Pop-Tarts was the go-to in the car. Then, you know, you're having vending machine snacks during the day. I ate school lunches, which always consist of like hamburgers or chicken nuggets, pizza, you know what I mean? Everything was carbo load. Then you'd go to Taco Bell for your post-school meal or whatever. And then like I had working parents and I also, my parents um, split up when I was in the fourth grade. So then I was living with you know, full-time working father, also a full-time uh, working single mother with two kids that like, there was no time to try and cook or, you know, amidst everyone's schedules, let alone 
there wasn't the knowledge of the nutrition. So like fast food was my entire upbringing, which also led me to, um, and I was also diagnosed with anxiety and depression at a young age, you know, post the divorce, like all the things that come with that. And the medicine I was put on had me gain like 30 pounds, um, you know, during pu puberty. So it was just as, you know, adolescence between the ages of like 11 and 14 was just such a trying time as it is for everyone, but layering on top of trying to deal with, you know, uh, being juggling between homes and, you know, just being an adolescent, like trying to get a boy to like you, but also being the big girl in your class. And, you know, like you're the eighth grader that is wearing double digit sizes when all your cheerleader and dancer friends can go and shop at Hollister and Abercrombie and like, that just wasn't an option for me. And so it just really leaves that kind of imprint on your psyche at such a malleable time in your life that when I, you know, when I got to college, I started, um, you know, I started understanding my body a little better. I started working out a little more and doing things that were good for my mental health, but also my physical well-being. And so kind of, you know, like slimmed out and like really feeling myself, but still a double digit size woman. Cause in the South, like, you know, everyone's an average of like a 10, 12, 14 and like feeling fierce. Everyone's modeling, you know, in the streets. And uh, so it wasn't until, uh, I apologize, I'm being long-winded, but this is my whole, you asked. Um, so then coming out to LA, was a whole new experience, especially in the entertainment industry. I got out here uh, in 2012. And while, you know, almost 10 years later, uh, 2021, I think we are moving toward a better body image, body positivity movement. There is still so much in Hollywood trying to control women and their image and their bodies. And I, you know, kind of succumbed to that pressure where I was told by different management, different people, you know, through trying to break into Los Angeles uh, acting world and everything that like, I was going to need to lose weight and, you know, or to even be considered for certain things or uh, to be an ingenue or, you know what I mean, fit a certain type, whatever it was. So through all that, you know, I'm not, I'm not a, uh, can we curse on, on the, <laughs> we can, we have the okay, explicit great. rating. So. Okay, great. Um, I am not a half-assed person. And so, you know, and I'm, I was always, I would always strive for the gold star, just like to be the best. I'm very competitive in that way. And so, you know, if someone tells me a guideline or a rule, I'm like, oh, I better do it. I better follow it. And I got to go the extra mile. And um, so I did, you know, I lost weight and I started working at a gym, which helped me in my schedule of like getting up early and then, oh, great, I'm at the gym. I might as well go run eight miles a day and then do a strength training workout and like not realizing during all this time how obsessive it became where then it's just I'm spending half my time working out. Oh, but then I did such a good workout that don't eat anything that's going to ruin your progress. And so this slowly throughout the years um, just kind of broke me down to where I started having an eating disorder, um, specifically bulimia, where I was just so obsessed with 
numbers on the scale with being skinny no matter what, um, you know, because that's going to get me noticed to progress in my career to where, you know, I woke up, I think it was like 25 or 26 years old and kind of realized like I had no control over my life anymore where I thought I had, I thought I was controlling everything. I was like, yeah, I got control over my food because I throw it all up and like no calories are, you know, going to make me gain weight. And, and then like the fear that comes with, uh, you know, I was actually thinking about this the other night of like the word fat phobia and no one wants to admit that they're like a phobic person or a phobia, you know what I mean? Especially people like us that are very accepting of everyone. But then I just kind of realized as I sat back where it's like, I think I'm sort of fat phobic of at least myself because the fear that is somewhere ingrained, it's still in my body about, oh my God, if I eat that cookie, if I eat this kind of thing, if I enjoy myself in any way, then here comes the shame, here comes the, you know, spiral, all that stuff that just culminates with it. And so the last like two and a half, three years has really been an unlearning process for me, um, just in being the healthiest version of myself, um, because I am kind of an addictive personality and obsessive personality that like trying to find that balance. And um, so that's why I'm really excited to be on here and like talk about all this stuff. And I just love your platform and how you encourage, especially women, because we all know we go through this. Yeah. Um, so that's a bit of my background with my wellness and, you know, where I am in life at this point. Well, wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Thank you. There's of course. so much to unpack there and so much I want to discuss with you. Cause I yes. think it's so relatable and I can relate so, so much. Um, like your story, that was like me as a kid with the fast yeah. food and being bigger when everyone was smaller and it was, um, it, it's so, it's just, I feel like it's so relatable. And even yeah. that concept of realizing, I think Ali and I have, Ali and I have spoken about this privately so many times, and I'm sure on the podcast many times as well, but, um, I'm not sure this exact, um, thought that is in my head, but it's like what you said, when we meet people or we talk to people or we're in, we never ever think about their weight or their body. Like that is the last no. thing I'm thinking about when I meet and engage with somebody is exactly. the way they look right. You'd never think about that. But then for ourselves, it's like, it's so relatable, which exactly what you're saying. Like after all this work I've done, why do I give that cookie so much power or why do I give that right? Like whatever it's like, yeah. Oh, it's so, it's so deep. And I think it's so deeply rooted in diet culture. And I mean, you know, the patriarchy of even, I'm sure lots of men telling you, you had to lose weight to get certain roles. And yeah, I think this is so deep for so many young women, especially young women in our age group from the early two thousands of like, you know, that heroin chic look that was very popular when we were all Oh kind of yeah, the despisable, the despisable moment in time of the low rise skinny jeans. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. <laughs> I, like, I have never not had an ass. Yeah. The, the yeah. jeans don't go past my thighs. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. We can't, we can't. But another, to your point too, another kind of thought process that gets ingrained with you, you know, uh, with 
certain people. And I think, are those justifications that you give yourself, right? Because I come from a family of, you know, like we're not, we are not naturally thin in my family. You know what I mean? Like we've, the women in my family have bigger thighs, bigger, you know, bottom heavy women. Um, And like, I think the only person in my family who is a thin person is my uncle who is not blood related. You know, it's like, he's one of those people that could eat all the Halloween candy on the shelf and lose three pounds. You know what I mean? And then the rest of my family, like we sniff a piece of pizza and we're bloated for days. Right. And what's interesting is that because it, I say it, it, you know, I say it as a fact. I don't know if it's a fact or if I just felt like I've dealt with it my entire life, but since a young age dealing with, you know, body image and, and being the bigger girl that my family would also justify because they were trying to help. Everyone always just wants to help. But like from my grandmother to my aunt, to my dad, my mom, they'd be like, you know, we're just, we're just not naturally thin. You know, you're just probably going to be a little bit bigger. And I, you know, you know, the intent is just be happy with yourself. But when you're like, 10 years old, when you're 14 years old, where you're like, all I want in life is to be skinny and to have a boyfriend. Like that's the only two things I care about. And you're telling me to be okay. You know, you're like, how would I ever be okay with just being who I am? You know, if like this infomercial with six second abs is telling me I can have, you know, everything I I desire. (laughs) Well, and I think that's, what's interesting, especially because you are an actress and you're in these like super popular movies and you're in this industry, which tells right. Yes. Women, young women. And like, it is changing so much and I'm so hopeful. Gen Z seems so much cooler than us millennials already. And I love it. (laughs) I love it. But, but it's so interesting because kind of to your family's point and what I've, you know, like learned to accept about myself is like, not everyone's healthy, happy body is a size zero, a size two, right? That's just not like, that's not mine. I've learned like my, where I don't have to kill myself at the gym, can enjoy my glass of wine and eat nutritious food most of the time, but indulge other times is a size eight, 10. And that is like, what is happy and healthy for my body. And for someone else that could be a 12, 14 for someone else that could be a four, six or a zero two. It's just healthy does come in all sizes, but the entertainment industry historically has told us kind of like what those people told you, which is no, we want to sell happy, healthy, attractive, sexy as this one specific, almost impossibly, it is like impossible standard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, and I think what we're, what I'm, I am also hopeful for, and, you know, it's interesting because everything is such an algorithm. Like it feels like life is an algorithm. So I follow so much, you know, things that were not the normal, uh, it's not the like mainstream media, you know, I follow all the, the body, body positivity and just everything that is like, let's relate, let's get down to the truth, not what I'm selling you. And, um, and so that, you know, at least in my lens of my life, it feels much more balanced, but at the same time, I have to think, oh, 
there's probably not, that's not for everybody. You know, a lot of people are still consuming just regular network TV or, you know, what they're being told or just whatever their algorithm is putting in there. And especially young teenagers, um, where again, I think that they are, they're in the information age. So I do think they're kind of uh, taking a little more control of that. Um, and I'm, you know, such a supporter of them, but it is hard where it's like, they're doing the same things to the 12 year olds who it's not new. Like we still have 12 year olds who are starving themselves, who are, you know, trying to get a boy or a girl to look their way and, and creating unhealthy habits that are going to carry them through potentially their thirties, maybe their entire life. If they don't, you know, look at it head on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know what you guys kind of touching on this makes me think about, you know, historically talking from as an older, well, I'm an older, (laughs) older millennial, but generationally as we, as millennials had the sort of traditional media giving us these um, images, but now uh, with social media and I just also had this sort of insight as you were both speaking about this. I also think it used to be just the beauty industry and now we see it all the time in the context of the wellness industry selling old, old beliefs with like a new fancy bow and new language around it. And so it's a hard, um, so I guess there's two different things. Like, you know, it might be packaged differently now. It might be packaged as healthy, but is it, it's like, is it, and is it, really? to, is it really, and to take, you know, use what we always try to like empower people to do and empower ourselves to do, which is not always easy to use like critical thinking about, oh, well this product or this person looks really healthy and I want to be healthy, but do you want to be healthy or do you want to like look a certain way. And, and if you want to look a certain way, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong about it, but don't to not to like remove, um, our sort of delusion about what our rationale is for certain things. And then it's like, why do I want to look a certain way? Do I think I'll be happy when X, Y, Z, right? This sort of like external seeking of what happiness is, but it can be very, very deceptive now because it can be packaged really differently than just like a supermodel, you know, how it used to be where it was like very overt. Yeah, Um, exactly. This episode is brought to you by Ned. Let's talk about CBD. The CBD market feels really saturated these days, doesn't it? It seems like you can get it at any coffee shop or grocery store, and many CBD brands actually source their hemp from industrial hemp farms in China. The brand that we love, and more importantly, the brand that we trust, is Ned. Ned produces some of the highest quality CBD available in the world, and Erica and I only partner with brands that we ourselves use. Ned produces several quality full-spectrum hemp oil products extracted from organically grown hemp plants all sourced from an independent farmer named Jonathan in Peonia, Colorado. How's that for knowing exactly where your CBD comes from? 
we have been longtime users of Ned. I rely on the full spectrum hemp oil to help with my anxiety and the hormone balance blend has been a game changer as I transitioned off of birth control. We also have had listeners reach out to us and share that using Ned has been super effective in their ability to get deeper sleep. Over 50 million Americans suffer from sleep disorders and many are prescribed sleeping pills or over-the-counter options. Ned's Sleep Blend combines CBN, a powerful cannabinoid that promotes sleep, with 750 milligrams of CBD made from the world's purest single-source full-spectrum hemp oil and organic and wild-crafted botanicals used in traditional medicine to foster rest. If you want to check out Ned and try their full spectrum hemp oil or sleep blend for yourself, we have a special offer for the Courageous Wellness audience. Go to www.helloned.com forward slash CW podcast or enter CW podcast at checkout for 15% off your first one-time order or 20% off your first subscription order. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash CW podcast to get 15% off your first one-time order or 20% off your first subscription order. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring our program and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. You can also find this information in our show notes. Yeah, I think that's, it's, you know, as we talk about healthy looking like a variety of different ways, um, it's a constant, you know, like not to get like be too basic, but it is, it's like so many trigger words. Like you're saying the wellness industry kind of re advertising themselves as, you know, the lifestyle changes, but you really do have to look deeper to say, okay, what are they actually selling me? what, you know, does that work for me? And I think all of it kind of stems down to the fact that we have to look at ourselves as an individual. And I think that's hard just in human nature because we do want to be accepted in the collective. And so it's like, okay, well, if I am the only brunette in the group of blonde people, what does that say about me? What should I think about myself? You know, and so that kind of carrying over to body image, body weight, you know, different size. I mean, gosh, don't even get me started on sizing in all the brands. You know what I mean? I saw that meme where it's like, all these are a size two shorts. And like, they range from, yeah, you know, they would fit a, a twig to a size six, where it's just like, none of it makes sense. And no wonder we're all messed up about it because you're telling me sometimes it fits, sometimes it doesn't. I don't know where I fit. I should be, I should put myself in a box yet. I should go against, you know, whatever typing it, you know, and it's like, yeah. And it's, it feels like it's solely for women too, right? Women yes. be the, be demure, but be loud, but be pretty, but not too pretty, but be which is yeah. like again, like sorry, not it gets me. I can get no, so blood boiling yes. about it, but it's like if it's it really is this focus on women's bodies and our focus on our bodies. It's like imagine how much time we'd have if we weren't focused on what we're eating or how we look or X, Y, and Z and 
I think it's really about historically. And there is a good, there's actually a really good book I read. Um, it's a, it's called fearing the black body, the racial origins of fat phobia. And I highly recommend it. Yeah. It's so, it's so good, but, um, you know, and that does talk about the racial origins of fat phobia, but historically the, the racism and fat phobia, the patriarchal nature of wanting to keep women small and women down. Like that's why it's so much deeper. We're dealing with generations of trauma unpacking our diet culture beliefs in ourselves. So it's actually really an incredible act to start healing from this and unpacking from this and to take up space from this. And I'm curious for you, how did you start to do that? Cause I almost feel like anybody who's in it, it is so overwhelming and maybe it is a, it probably is a lifetime of work. Oh, I th- I, you know, yeah. for me, for me, I think this will be a lifetime process. You know what I mean? It's, as we change and grow, right. You know, we're going to learn different things. We're going to need to unlearn different things. Um, it, it probably in waves and phases for me, like I said, um, you know, when I was young twenties and I was just trying to fit in and be accepted and not make too much noise and just, you know, like be accepted. And so that to me, the definition of that to me was be skinny at all co- at whatever cost that meant. Right. And to be skinny meant to be 125 pounds. Like that was the goal, right? Never hit it. My body will never be it. I'm five, seven. I don't need to, you know what I mean? Like I would look very unhealthy, I think. Um, where, you know, it's like, Hey, and some women, if that fits you and like, that's your style, more power to you. My body does not want that. And, um, so I think it really was, I, I, I don't know what the impulse or the desire or, or just being fed up with hurting myself. Um, cause I kept my eating disorder a secret from everybody. And I lived with a roommate where in hindsight, I'm like, there's no way she didn't know, you know, it was like, you'd go and you'd run the tap water and just be in the bathroom for a while. Um, but I just, I remember I woke up and I was like, I'm done with this. I, I hate this. And I hate how I feel about myself. I'm the skinniest I've ever been. Why am I not happy? Right. And going back to what you were saying, Allie, about, is it being happy with yourself? You know, what is the actual foundational message that you, or, or truth that you're needing for yourself or the reason for why you're behaving a certain way. Right. And I just broke down and I called my mom, I spilled my guts and having someone just, Oh, that's going to make me emotional. Having someone just accept you when you feel like you're unacceptable, right? I messed up. I've been doing something bad. I've been, you know, I'm very ashamed. I'm doing a shameful thing because while I'm supposed to be skinny, I would, I'm never supposed to, you know, do anything so rash or drastic to my body. Right. But then you, that's the, that's the conversation we have to start because once that one person opens up, you then now, and I think that's what we're in at this moment or the, the 
brink of the body body positivity movement and everything right now is that more women are opening up the me too movement right one woman can just set a blaze where everybody everyone else can feel comfortable to go you know what me too i didn't eat or i was throwing up or i was working out you know all hours of the day and then you just realize oh my god what the hell are we doing yeah um but to get back to you know kind of the process i think it really started there of just owning what i was doing confronting it as hard as that was for me because i'm very non-confrontational um and then just deciding for myself that like i really don't want to do this anymore and mind you it took me three or four years to actually stop because you're you're in a habit you know you're in a bad habit you're in an addictive mode and so as much as i would say no i'm not going to do that you know i'm not going to binge tonight i'm not going to i'm not going to do it and then all of a sudden that was the moment i realized like oh my gosh i'm not in control and then I think the next kind of level up for me, um, I have, uh, Allie knows him. My, uh, my, I call him my boy, Yonsei. It feels awkward to call him my boyfriend because it's like too simple, but we're not engaged. Your, par- your partner, my life partner, your life partner. Um, that's what I say. Exactly. <laughs> but you know, we, we got together and we were just very open. Um, and I had shared with him that that's a struggle of mine. And he kind of understood it too, in a way. And it was something that um, he also dealt with different, you know, body image things in his own way, which was kind of mind blowing for me. Cause I was like, you're a dude. What do you <laughs> like? You're a six foot, like muscular guy, white guy. Like what's your problem? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what problems do you have? But just the communication and the openness really allowed me to continue doing the work. Um, having a support system is huge. Um, people you can talk to because I, as much as you would like to do it alone, I just don't think it it can only get you so far. Mm -hmm. You know, you can probably like, uh, you know, build yourself up and dedicate and do everything. But like, there's going to be days, weeks or months or years where you're just like, I don't feel like it. I don't want to, it's easier not to. And I think that's where like, you have to either find a community or therapy or just whoever you feel closest to that can be that shoulder or that support system for you that can just give you an encouragement to tell you to keep going when you just feel like why, yeah, what's the point. Yeah. And, um, And then I will say kind of through more of healing with myself intellectually, not just the, you know, through body image, um, was, you know, different trauma. Like I said, my parents, um, are divorced. And so I have a lot of trust issues with relationships in general. Um, and so Nick and I have been together for five years and he's my longest relationship and, you know, he was previously married, so he's got his own trauma with relationships. And we kind of hit this moment together where our traumas sort of decided to like meet each other. And we didn't really know what to do about it or how to go. So we both, you know, sought out our own 
therapy and we've been doing that for, you know, almost two years now. And through that process, um, and I was fortunate enough to, you know, be able to afford and continue my therapy through quarantine. Mm -hmm. And honestly, this last year and a half alone, because there's nothing to do except like sit with yourself and your feelings and like, what is life? Um, I really, you were, uh, Erica, I think you were kind of talking about, especially as women, like taking up our space and, um, you know, feeling emboldened enough to really like unlearn and go against the patriarchal, uh, societal messages and, um, I don't know, just, yeah, all that stuff that, especially for women, we just don't even realize we're holding on to, or that like we're moving through life with whatever that means. You know, it's like, there's so many different layers to it that like pick one or you've got them all, you know, we're like, we don't even realize that we are moving through life in a certain way because we grew up in a, you know, a certain time frame or men have always been in control and telling us how we need to feel, what to do, how to look, everything. And so I think especially as millennials, right, we're we're kind of in this limbo generation of, yeah, like, yeah, let's fight against it. But also, holy crap, no, no, no. Like, you know, it's it's just such a weird thing. Um, So all that to say, yeah, I'm still healing through everything. But at the same time, it's just, you know, as you heal one thing, then you realize, you know, the next door opens. It's like, all right, well, we need to be dealt with as well. You also, you know, have feelings on this. And so it's just, it's tenfold, to be honest, where, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think I'm, I'm very proud to say that I think it's been since 2017 that like, I've completely stopped, you know, uh, purging and like binging and purging. And, um, now it's kind of in this progressive growth of how do I just enjoy myself? You know, mm-hmm. how do I be comfortable? How do I work out for enjoyment, not to punish myself or, yes. you know, and it's like, that's still some days it works. And some days my mind goes right back to like, well, you had a large piece of pie. You, you, fat cow like you know what I mean like all of a sudden you're speaking awful to yourself and you're like wait hold on who who said you were invited to the party you know yeah well oh go ahead oh I was gonna say I think too it gives me so much compassion as well for um you know I think us millennials really are on the crux of change right like I hope I'm so hopeful that things are changing for the next generation of young women because of course you know um you can really curate your algorithm on TikTok or Instagram to see more diverse bodies and see people living their best life at many different sizes but it's given me so much compassion as well for our mothers and our grandmothers, like when I start doing this unpacking, because if it's like, right, like that voice in your head and this culture, and of course, I mean, and when we talk about patriarchal culture, it's like BMI was created for like one type of white male. And now that's why everybody is obese on BMI. I swear it's like, everybody is like, well, my BMI says I'm obese. And I think at my like health, like the thinnest I've ever been, I probably was like teetering on the overweight of BMI, right? Like 
BMI too. is bullshit. Always. Yeah. <laughs> That's like a different. I've never That's been a, under the way, yeah, under the overweight. Every, if, if anyone listening is still, don't look, BMI doesn't mean anything. BMI doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> but it just gives me like, right, like our mothers and our grandmothers grew up in so much of a restricted, like culture and society. And I think even like something went viral the other day of an old, I think like Vogue magazine from the fifties or Mm sixties. Have you guys seen this? No. No. And it was a diet they recommended to their readers. Okay. I can remember it because it was so short. It was a hard boiled egg, a black coffee and a glass of wine for breakfast, two hard boiled (laughs) eggs, two hard boiled eggs, more, I think it was more coffee. I could be right, but another glass of wine for lunch and then some sort of like protein dinner and finish your, finish the bottle of wine. That was the diet to, for women to Just lose weight. Keep yeah. your so women a little bit yourself. drunk all day. Yeah. No caffeinate <laughs> yourself so that your body will just run the metabolism, but get drunk so that you don't realize how right. tired and awful this is. And don't eat like it was no. And, but if you look like historically at magazines from the fifties, sixties, seventies, probably the nineties and two thousands, when we were kids, I mean, the restriction our mothers and grandmothers were told they needed to have to be oh, and desirable on, on your, on your point too, especially with the, the diet. I mean, Weight Watchers has been in my family since I probably could start speaking, you know, like I knew what Weight Watchers was. And, um, you know, then of course, like you can only sign up at a certain age. Right. And so I signed up in middle school, I would go to the meetings with my mom and, um, you know, my sister, same thing. Like, you know, she, she actually thinned out after puberty, but she grew up, you know, we were eating the same thing. So she was pudgy and everything. And I think at some point, I mean, it's too recent to like be funny. <laughs> like it's comical, but like also like how awful I, somewhere in my early twenties or something, I, I feel like my mom found an old Weight Watchers like booklet and was like, if you're, cause you know, I came out here and I signed up with the local Weight Watchers here in LA and just to keep myself accountable. And, um, and so she like sent me this booklet of like, if, if this helps, and it was kind of the same thing where it was like, I think from the eighties, maybe early nineties, where it wasn't too far off from like, I think they maybe like got rid of the alcohol, <laughs> but it was still like black coffee and um, what's the cottage cheese. Cottage cheese. Oh, yeah. I've so never, never liked no. cottage yeah. cheese. No. So- but it's, it's so great that like, we're having these conversations yeah. now. Cause I think sometimes too, at least for myself, when I was a teenager and in my, I felt so alone in this, you know, like I mm. felt so even, I remember I, I ended up having like a weight loss. I lost 50 pounds in my early twenties and it was not really a weight loss journey. It was more of a self-love. And when yeah. I accepted myself at like my largest size and started moving my body because I enjoyed it instead of as punishment, um, the weight fell off. Right. Mm -hmm. And everything I thought, like everything external, I was like, until I'm a certain size, I won't meet a man. I won't meet my career goals. And actually at my largest weight, I met my now husband at my largest weight. I got my dream career, like everything happened for me. And then, and then I lost the weight, but, um, 
it was so interesting because I wasn't even open. Like Ali met me after I lost the weight. It took me mm-hmm. such a long time to even talk about my weight loss because I had so much shame for so long that I had had 50 pounds to lose. And I felt so alone in, um, the way like no one was right. Like social media has been evolving so quickly, but it's so interesting because I think that's part of keeping us small as well. Like emotionally small as women is making it feel like, well, it's a you problem. Like it's your fault that you can't, that you're not fitting this box that we're supposed to fit in. Yeah. Into so many things about women's body too, right? Our reproductive systems, like Mm -hmm. we are all made up so differently. We function differently. You know what I mean? Like some women develop more eggs. Some women don't. Some women have, have cysts. Some women, you know, we all deal with different things. And just like you're saying, it's all pinpointed back to like, well, that's just a you problem. Right. So, you know, and like the shame umbrella just engulfs you. And to your point, Erica, too, of, of opening up about it, where I think a lot of like, depression that is also a um kind of an added layer especially with weight right where when we feel very helpless or hopeless or like we just can't seem to figure out you know how to or you know we're not accepting and then you just get down on yourself to where it feels better to be in the bad habits. Oh, you know what? I just want to be in bed all day because what does it matter? What's the point? I'm not going to ever be this size or look like this. And I'm not going to find the love of my life and everything. And to your point where like, all of a sudden your mindset opens up, you're becoming happier. You're not putting so much pressure on yourself that oh, I, you know what? I decided I wanted to have a salad today because that sounded good rather than the French fries or, you know, or I had the French fries, but the salad on the side and I got some vegetables and like, yeah. And then whoops, I'm 20 pounds down and I didn't really mean for it. And, but my body is enjoying this. And, and I think it's funny because all of that is a little bit triggering for me because then it goes into like, see, then being skinny actually means better. And it's like, no, 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 that's not, that's not what we're saying. We're just saying, find what makes you happy and, and thing, you know, and if, you know, 300 pounds is like healthy and happy and like you are set, be there. And some people might actually accidentally lose weight. Some people will gain weight. Yeah. And we shouldn't have an opinion on that unless it is actually harmful or detrimental to you. We shouldn't have, especially the men. Yeah. Don't have an opinion on it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, what's interesting though, Shell, you, uh, this is like going back a little bit, but it made me think about, um, I think it would be interesting to do an episode like this uh, with a guy, because Mm -hmm. what you mentioned too, about like, I don't think at least because it's been so overt for so many centuries of, of like trying to control female bodies or bodies with female biology. Right. And, um, and sort of even just like, well, maybe these are other conversations, but like the gender binary, so many things just like historically, but in that context, as you had mentioned earlier, like there are also, I think all humans on some level might have this struggle, maybe not as many, um, pressures as like females traditionally have had. But, um, 
I'd be really interesting to have this conversation with a man who's gone through that too, because I don't necessarily know that there's been as much space opened, um, for men to talk about this, just like so many other things too, where even in the me too movement, where like, finally there are men coming forward, um, who had been, you know, victims of assault and things like that. And just because, because of our, within that binary, the, the, expectations on men to uphold a certain thing too. And that's, that's just really interesting. It just sort of sparked my mind. I was like, Ooh, that'd be a really cool episode at some point. So thank you for that idea. No, of course, because it is, I think, I think what one of the, um, the biggest things that we need to continue with is just the normal normalization of speaking openly, you know, and I think it's easier for women to do that because we are deemed the emotional and right. deemed the, you know, communicators of the genders. Right? right. And for men, it's, you know, shut up, keep it to yourself. Don't look weak. Don't be, you know, don't cry. And I don't think that is as normal in the culture just yet. Um, and hopefully it will be because I do, I think you're absolutely right. I think there are probably way more stories, especially for men. I mean, think of it now where we do this all the time. Like I love the sitcom friends Mm -hmm. and, you know, I'll watch 90 sitcoms all day. The hot guy Mm -hmm. was Matt LeBlanc who did not have a six pack, who just had like a head of hair and (laughs) face and then you like fast forward to today and you're looking at like Teen Wolf or like whatever, you know, the sitcom yeah. where the hot guy at base better have eight pack abs yeah. and like bulging biceps, you know, ripping through a t-shirt. Like you better look like John Cena or it's not worth it. Yeah. And so, you know, just like women being like, well, I better be a size zero or I'm never going to work. Like now we're getting men that like, okay, are they taking steroids to look like? Right you know, whatever they want to, they have to to put in their and and more so to be in the entertainment industry. Yeah. Yeah. We are so excited to offer our listeners a new discount to one of the best probiotic supplements on the market seed. Whether you are a Patreon member in our nutrition community or a regular listener of the podcast, you know that Allie and I are both very serious when it comes to the importance of gut health and building a thriving microbiome. I personally have been using seed for months and have noticed a big difference in my digestion and bloating. I am now devoted to taking seed every morning before food and I'm really excited to share their daily symbiotic with our audience. The formulation of the Daily Symbiotic combines a probiotic and prebiotic, is vegan and gluten-free, and includes 24 clinically studied naturally occurring strains not found in yogurt or fermented foods and beverages, and lives up to the highest standards for human and planetary health. Yes. In addition to being a really reliable probiotic and prebiotic supplement, Seed is committed to creating science-based education for all those that partner with them through accountable advertising at Seed University. This is where we are all committed to not spreading misinformation about health on the internet, which is pretty important. Also, I personally love their commitment to sustainability with a refill system and all recyclable or biodegradable packaging materials. 
Erica and I only advertise products that we use and feel are of benefit to us and by extension could be of value to our community. If you would like to order Seed Daily Symbiotics to incorporate into your own gut health routine, go to seed.com and use Courageous15 at checkout for 15% off or click on the link in our show notes or the link tree on Instagram. We have an exciting new discount for our listeners with Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic offers superfood coffee and elixirs to upgrade your daily routine. The powerful antioxidants, antiviral effects, and immune-boosting properties of mushrooms transform your cup of joe from an energy-boosting treat to a health-enhancing choice. Along with mushroom coffee, Four Sigmatic also offers mushroom elixirs, mushroom hot cocos, and other shroom-filled products. Erica uses the lion's mane in her morning superfood coffee, and even though I hate mushrooms, I absolutely love the products, especially the matcha latte powder, which contains myataki mushrooms and adaptogens. For 10% off Four Sigmatic products, visit foursigmatic.com and use the code COURAGEOUS at checkout, and there's also a direct link in our show notes. This is so, it's so deep, and I think like you said, I think it is a lifetime worth of work, and I, it's it's a lot to unpack in all of us. And I think especially after this year of the pandemic and all this like pandemic weight gain and articles, it makes you really unpack. It's like, I think that's, what's beautiful yes. about intuitive eating, but really hard. And I know Ali and I, we, we are coaches and we coach people and we never do restrictions, right? We're always about additions, not subtractions and in, in people's diet. Um, but it's, it's like, what's beautiful about intuitive eating is if you're eating and moving your body in a healthy way and you gain weight, then you needed to gain weight. And if you're eating and moving your body in a healthy way and you lose weight, then that's where your body wanted to be. It's not about you making your body be something, right? It's about just letting your body fluctuate in a way that's natural and healthy. And it's like, you know, it's like legs. You do so much for me. Arms you do. I'm a Libra. Yeah. So I'm mushy as hell. Yes. No, but I love, but I've I just, seen that meme online where it's yeah. like, talk to your body, you know, appreciate your body. Don't shame your body where it's like, yes. Okay. Legs, you get me around. You work great. Just <laughs> yeah. like what you're saying. And it's so that shift mentally and Nick will also tell this to me when I get in my little shame spirals of like, I just feel bloated today. Uh, I just, I'm, I feel fat and you know, my clothes aren't fitting right. I'm just, I'm just, I need to go on a, you know, whatever, whatever I'm saying. And he will look at me and go, why are you talking about the person I love that way? Yeah. I love that. And just hearing that is yeah. like, I would never talk about someone I love that way. So why can't I love myself? Right. Why can't we love ourselves enough to go, damn girl, you're yeah. wearing that dress today. Like, damn girl, your booty's looking a little bigger today. Okay. You know, like exactly just a compliment, yeah. you know, even the one thing, find the one thing. And again, kind of tying it back into the mental health. Cause I think for me, it at least coincides. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I feel like probably for a lot of people, it definitely blends together. But when you're kind of in that deeper, like darker lens where you're just not seeing the hope or the positivity in there, the gratitude practice seems really cheesy and seems stupid where you're like, 
find one thing about me that to compliment, you know, like, okay, my eyes are green. Like my eyes are pretty and it feels very unnatural, but that's the work. That's the practice, at least for me, where do it until it's kind of the fake it till you make it thing where it's like, do it until you, it does feel natural. Do it until you do believe it, do it until it's like, then you want to add more, you know what? And I really liked this dress that I got and I, you know, and it just culminates and, and adds on top of itself. A lot of what you've spoken about today, I've noticed, and I, I couldn't agree more. And it's a really hard thing, but I'm, I'm grateful for you for sharing it with us too, is really identifying these like shame moments and where they come from. We all have them. It's a part of being human. Um, even I sometimes as someone who's done so much work on how to care for myself, my body, my mind, my soul, you know, I sometimes will even feel shame when I get hard on myself, like shame myself for, Hey, you're, you know, you're a feminist and you're this, and you believe this and you feel this way about other people, but you're an asshole to yourself right now. Yeah. You know, and then I'll shame myself about being an asshole to myself. And it's like judgment and shame is, is crazy how much we actually harbor in there inside speaking truth to it whether it's just, to, it doesn't have to be like, if it's private, that's okay. You can speak it to your, your mom, your one friend. It doesn't have to be, or you can have the courage. Like you're so courageous sometimes and speak it to your social media audience or whomever. And I think it gives, we give ourselves permission to let it go because it, it takes the power away from that when you, when you speak to it. But also mm-hmm. we, um, I think, oftentimes give others permission. Like hopefully this conversation will give others permission to have conversations about things that they might be harboring some shame, shame from. And, and there's no, um, you know, I know shame is such a human experience. We, it's just a part of, but like being able to lean into it and work through it so that we don't have to carry it is such an act of, I think, self-love, you know? Yes. And, um, and it's, you know, I'm grateful just to have friends and community that can do that. And, and to your point too, of the, the power, you know, we've talked so much about the power we give to different things, the power we give to a number on the scale, the power we give to the amount of weight we want to lose or need to lose, right. The power we give to our shame or our thoughts about ourselves where I've started, it's hard to do, but I would encourage anyone listening and and all of us here as well, that whenever your shame comes, like you, you almost have to just speak it out loud because in, when it's just sitting in your mind, it's very scary. It feels a lot bigger than it is. And then when you like literally vocalize it, where you're like, I'm an asshole because I wanted to X, Y, Z. And then you literally hear it and you're like, well, that sounds silly. And then you can laugh about it. And it, and it, and it is the release to where, okay, now I'm not holding on to it anymore. And the power is let go from it. And it's so hard to do, but like my, my, everything for me comes at nighttime, as I'm sure for a lot of people, right? Like your mind's starting to quiet and you're trying to go to sleep. And all of a sudden, all the, all your, action or recollection of the day <laughs> like 
sweet through and then you're just like judging yourself or, oh no, I'm never going to make it in the industry or I'm never going to have my breakout or breakthrough or I'm never going to, never going to X, Y, Z, right? And then you're holding all this tension and then, you know, and like, again, I, I'm just so grateful for my boy, Yance and Nick, because he's such an encourager of, and honestly, I think it's more so out of like annoyance <laughs> when I'll be like, I'm feeling, and he's like, are you, I bet you are. Why don't you just go speak it out and then come tell me how you're feeling afterwards. Where it's like, you know, cause it gets to a certain point, even with your support system where I think for, at least for the uh, Nick and I, it's like, he can hear it. But if you're saying the same thing over and over and over and you're not moving forward or finding a solution to fix whatever you're fearful or anxious or shamed, shameful about, then it's kind of like, okay, is this working? You're just kind of talking about it. What are we doing about it now? You know, and sometimes it takes a little tough love, right? To kind of hear like, hey, love you so much. Do something different. <laughs> right. It's true. And and sometimes that tough love is actually like the biggest compassion I think we can receive, you know, yes. um, from people that love us and that we love. So my dear, we could talk for another hour. We could talk all day. We could talk could all day. We'll have to have you back at some point for part Absolutely. two. Absolutely. Um, Please. <laughs> this is so much fun. It's like, because there's just so much to touch on. You I know. know. Like, living courageously, courageous wellness. It's like, my gosh, pick a topic. I know it's, it's yeah, it's a lot, but it's great. And it's been such a pleasure to have you. Um, but as we like wrap up in all of our episodes, we ask three wrap up questions. And so I'm going to start with the first one. Um, what does your daily self-care or like a daily non-negotiable look like for you? Mm. Oh my goodness. <laughs> the honest answer is probably that I'm still figuring that out. Um, you know, but I do, I'm a, I'm a huge coffee person, like my non-negotiable, to be honest, I've, I've had to accept that like, quote unquote, I'm not a morning person, uh, as much as I would like to be and and by non a morning person like you know there are people that wake up at five and six a.m. I will never be that person unless I'm getting paid to you know be at a call time for a job. Um, what's comfortable for me is like a nine ten a.m. wake up and I do my coffee and I get my mind right um, to be able to do the rest of my day and so it's been a, a bit of a balancing act to support myself in the fact that I have a different schedule than a lot of people just in like a normal base, you know, every day when people get up to do a nine to five or something. And um, so I think, honestly, I just think my act of self-care is acceptance of me, <laughs> you know, and, and that looks differently every day. Um, but coffee is always a must. That's so beautiful. That's a great answer. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners who are also not morning people um, appreciate that as well. Cause there's no shame in being a day person or a night person. And no. you can, people are really what works for you. Exactly. Works for you. And when you are, people have different 
hours of productivity or, you know, when they like to, or alertness in their day. And it's the same thing with bodies, right? You know, my body uh, responds differently to different exercises than someone else's. So same thing with a sleep schedule. Mine's just a little bit pushed back than most people's. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. Um, The next question we always ask is what does being courageous mean to you? Ooh, wow. Wow. That's a great question. Um, I think I would have to say being courageous to me means being honest. Um, It's very, very hard to be honest with ourselves, to be honest with the people we love, Um, just honesty in general, you know, because Sometimes truth can be hard, but also truth can be very freeing. Um, and yeah, so I think it does. It takes a lot of courage in, in whatever area of your life that whether it's mental health or self-care or, you know, pe- toxic people in your life or, you know, whatever the case may be, being honest about it is probably the most courageous thing I can think of. Thank you. And then the final one is, uh, for any of our listeners, do you have a book or it could be anything. It could be like something that's just meant a lot to you that you've listened to or read recently. Um, that's just been particularly inspiring for you. There's so many books. I'm like the self-help book guru. (laughs) Let me get my shelf down. Um, I have three, three books that for me personally, just, and and two, two of which are my recommendations for people that are just, you know, needing something to boost their spirits. Um, The first one is, um, I believe the title is You're a Badass. Uh, or, or something like that, or like, be a badass, you're a badass. Um, I can't remember. It's a big yellow book and uh, written by a woman. I unfortunately can't remember her name at the moment, but it's just- it's Jen just a, something. Jen, yes. Jen something, yes. And I read that probably two years ago, and it was just a wonderful reminder of you have all the tools you need. You know what I mean? Like you, you- have everything within you to live the life you want to live. Will you be courageous enough to take the steps, you know, to live that life? Um, And, you know, funny anecdotes and everything. It's just very relatable, but also a huge inspiration of like, yeah, I am a badass. I can do some stuff. Um, The second book that I adored is called Big Magic. And it, is sort of similar in the You're a Badass book, but kind of more on the creative side because we all have that creati- creativity within us. Um, and it's just, it's more of that inspirational book of inspiration, <laughs> inspirational book of inspiration. Um, it, it basically says like inspiration will strike you. Will you listen to it? It's very intuitive, right? Are you going to listen to what your soul, you know, what the energy around you is trying to tell you, right? Because, um, and it talks a lot about energy, you know, we are just surrounded by different energy and not all energy is meant for everyone, right? And so will you answer the call 
when the inspirational energy that is meant for you comes knocking at your door. And it is just such a cool book. And it makes you feel like it makes you want to be aware of like, what's going on around me? What am I, what do I need to listen to? Um, so I love that book. And then the one that just has carried through my entire life that I, um, it was that book that just made me feel seen and inspired me to, I don't know, not, not give too many craps um, as much as possible was a book called The Earth, My Butt and Other Big Round Things by, <laughs> I think it's by um, Carol Mackler. I want to get that right for you. Um, but it was just one of those like adolescent books, Carol Macklin. Um, and okay, well, where did y'all go? Cause I, <laughs> I lost you. <laughs> Get my zoom girls back. Um, the earth, my butt and other big round things. And it was just one of those young adult books. I read it when I was 14 and in the crux of, you know, adolescent life. And it was the ingenue lead character of the book was a plus size adolescent girl. And just all, I was like, this author depicted like she either grew up this way or knew someone or she just encompassed what I was feeling in this book at that moment in my life. And I reread it over quarantine just to be like, does that hit the same? And I just felt everything the same way, you know what I mean? Because like that little child still lives in us, you know, no matter how old we get. And so that's just my book that I'm like, that one made me feel seen. And yeah. I think if you can find that book or that show or, you know, whatever piece of art that makes you feel like I have a place in this world, someone understands me, I matter. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, I've loved having you, not just because you're my friend, but because you know, you are a wealth of knowledge and, um, so, you know, so open and, and I know that you have also adoring fans for all for the right reason. And, um, I'm just really grateful to you for coming today. And you are one of my favorite humans to have ever worked with, which we didn't even like talk about. I know but, like, um, we could do a whole other show, <laughs> but yes, I just feel so blessed to have I Didn't we have a, a contract where um, we worked so often for like two years? A couple of years. Yeah, guys. We were like, like we're only gonna work together from now on. <laughs> yeah, I think we got cast in like four shows or like three shows in a concert or something back to back. And I was like, wow, I'm getting used to this. And this is yes. pretty good. I'm gonna go for it. So um anyway, that was our joke. But thank you, Shell. And if anybody who's listening doesn't follow you where can they find you and follow you and all that good stuff please come aboard the uh self-help train i am you can find me on instagram twitter and facebook um type in at shelly regner shelly with an ey and uh, i think facebook is shelly regner official so but if you type in my name you'll find me on all the all the platforms and everything thank you thanks for tuning in to another episode of courageous wellness Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch via our website, www.courageouswellness.net, where you can also find additional info about our health coaching services, virtual group events, newsletter, and more. 
Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.